Welcome to the Product Management. We bring to you industry experts to share their valuable insights via this podcast on various topics related to product management. These include marketing, sales, development, growth, product fit, and many more. For latest updates, please subscribe to theproductmanagement.com. This podcast is sponsored by Hello Meets. The Hello Meets community has done over 400 meetups in the last four years. They help connect like-minded people meet through offline meetups and workshops in Delhi, Bangalore, Pune, Hyderabad, Mumbai, Chennai, Singapore, and is launching in Canada this July. These meetups and hands-on workshops are around tech, design, products, investors, marketing, and sales. Hey everyone, I'm Harsha Patel and I'm back with another podcast that will help you build your product better. This podcast is all about how to use an ML-first approach when building your product. Today we have two individuals who are part of a team that is Cricket's first machine learning meets interaction design at a global level. Karthik, a principal product manager and Ravi, a data scientist, come packed with knowledge of experience building various products in their careers. Karthik, you've built a team from a single person to a 20-member team and built Cricket's first trademark ML product called Cricklytics. And Ravi, you've played a role in automating India's first robo-adversary portfolio models using quantitative analysis and machine learning. So tell us a little more about your roles in the products you've been building with Cricket.com. Hi, I'm Karthik. I'm a principal product manager here. At Cricket.com, I was the first hire. So the aim really was to build a team, the ACE team, which would have a great bunch of data scientists, product managers, designers, and then great tech. So I take responsibility for all of that. But yes, primary focus is in anchoring the product that the consumer will face. So that's what I do. Sure. Hi, uh, this is Ravi. My primary role in cricket.com is to identify the set of right use cases that can attract appropriate consumer base for us. What data is necessary to achieve that particular goal and what algorithms are best suited to arrive at a particular projection or a prediction that are needed for our website. And I basically the research here. So we do a lot of data analysis, come up with appropriate models and then possibly talk with the technology team to see how scalable a particular algorithm can be and how it can be deployed on a larger scale. Since Cricket.com is Cricket's first ML Meets interaction design moment for scale, can you tell us a little about when to approach ML for the product? So the specific reason on why would you want an ML first approach the reason is very simple. It's about you know getting competitive advantage. It's about being able to scale up and being able to uh, do trend spotting in an automated fashion. Now, while all that is there, the real trigger points as such for uh, you know deciding that you know I want to go start an ML first approach is in understanding where is your industry coming from. Like in the cricket industry, like to illustrate an example of where we are in, though a lot of data has always been there in cricket. Cricket is not, uh, none of the incumbents have really focused on data science for cricket. Take CrickBuzz or CrickInfo. 
who are very respected companies with respect to the analysis that they do on cricketers but they do not have an automated way to build a data science or you know talk about what is the trend that's going they've employed humans with a knowledge of a particular uh, domain or a particular team now that model is not scalable because you're very human dependent now with all that data there there are possibilities that you can build 30 40 teams you can do it at scale for all of those teams in in just a single day you don't need to employ so many people so as cricket gets more localized as you have more teams we feel that the way to differentiate would be to employ machine learning to do pattern spotting across various matches and once the patterns are spotted a human can then write on that so for us the trigger point was there are only about 10 or 15 people in india who can maybe think through numbers and write on cricket in india and most of them are with competition now how do you then go build your own competitive flavor and the way to do that is to not focus on getting humans to you know do this analysis or focus on journalists but to focus on an automated way in which patterns can be recognized and that was our trigger point when we realized we wanted to go set up something very different in cricket now when you say an ml first approach how did uh, you know we get there now we realized that for us to get ahead the most important thing is to understand how the data is how clean the data is so the data is being tracked by different people and as we go get different sources of data one has to clean it one has to normalize all of the data and then you will have to go run your simulations on those data that you've bought now that itself is a very onerous task because even if there's one mistake nobody's going to forgive you they'll say oh you guys you know did the wrong predictions and if you also notice cricket has always been in a, a sense of reporting saying what happened but nobody's talking about what will happen so we thought that might you know be the future and we punted on the future to say let's focus on what might happen and that will give us competitive advantage and india is also getting into this market where a lot of the economy is driven through fantasy cricket and for fantasy cricket you need to be able to predict what's happening so that was our trigger point in deciding that we needed an ml first approach because our industry as in the cricket industry has not had anyone focus on this apart from one or two research papers published outside outside india there haven't been instances of companies adopting machine learning at scale to go solve problems for cricket consumption So if I'm looking to start developing a product how does one design the product roadmap I think for us we had to look at the many things that we could do and sometimes when you're in this mode when you get very creative on what you could do with an ml first approach because it is exciting to go build products that are going to be automated and go give a lot of insights during you know a live game or a pre match game the way we decided the priority for each of these tickets or you know items was in you know, adopting a framework which is pretty prevalent within the silicon valley it's called the double a triple r framework so the first a stands for acquisition the second a stands for activation the third is retention then the fourth is referral and the fifth is revenue now in the early stage of our business the most important thing for us is activation which is basically people downloading the app for us and acquisition like acquisition where somebody is has heard of us it could be the phase where you have somebody is aware of us and then they're considering us when you say considering it could mean that they are happy with visiting cricket.com 
that is probably where we you know stop at consideration and the next step is you know they want to sample it so they go download the app so our focus right now is to go pick projects that will help us in this journey of acquisition and activation so anything that is outside of this right now we don't want to uh, giving it very high priority which is for just getting the launch done we launched last month in an event in mumbai and now that the world cup has started and we've already got like close to about I think somewhere between 80 to 100 reviews on the play store and we have a bunch of downloads that's already started now the focus is okay we've been able to give the basic service now how are we able to make the user come back make the user sample more of our content spend time on the platform so then i think now in the next uh, two three months all projects on the retention standpoint become very important so it's just about assigning a weighted average score like every project that we want to do take for example uh, we worked on a project called death over simulator some time back which basically allows users to predict to basically play around with the various options to come up with a simulation of if the following bowlers in this order were to bowl the death overs which is the last three or the last five overs how many runs will they leak how many wickets will they take so it, it gives users the power now for that feature it is as much an acquisition feature because it features in our ads and it's also a retention feature because people keep coming back because they know death over simulator gets activated around the 16th over for a t20 match and you know around the 41st over for a 50 over game so that became a very high priority for us because it was solving for us acquisition related goals as well as retention related goals so we have a weighted average score that for each of the projects that we want to accomplish and that is measured by the complexity involved in building that out for example for one particular feature it may involve us to have to put five developers three qa resources in getting a particular feature out in a certain time frame then it may involve time of a data scientist in writing his python code then deploying it there then a developer trying to do front end and back end code so we also look at what's the complexity involved in getting that feature out and then it's a simple value versus complexity mapping through which we decide okay this is what our roadmap will focus on because we will know what are the short term candidates that we can pick from this roadmap what are the medium term things we can pick and then maybe there are some things that require work or bandwidth but are not going to get involved or you know done in your first two sprints maybe it's a third or fourth sprint related item so we have two week sprints and that's how we go pick our roadmap items Building product means a whole lot of back-end work. Can you help us understand how to set up the data infrastructure? So, with regards to the data infrastructure, there are two parts to it. Now, as part of, you know, product or, you know, running the overall business as such, it's important to realize what are the different sources of data that are there that you could potentially go after. Now, we had to do that initial recce on what are the various sources and how dependable are they. Usually in cricket, the data sources could just old scorecards from which you will know which batsman and how much did they score. Older scorecards will not even have information like the number of boundaries or the number of balls. They will not have that. But some of the newer scorecards even come with ball-by-ball data where it says on each ball what happened, which bowler type bowled. Now that is a little more richer data which is available I think post-2006. I think if you dig a little deeper, you'll get a few more years. Secondly, there are multiple sources 
who are storing different data across the years and then there is a the weather data i think what was the weather for a particular game so these are the various sources of data i think it takes a lot of time and skill to first interface with these companies that otherwise own the data and then try to see if it's available at cost that you can go and digest now gita we are open to you know spending money to buy the right data and doing that due diligence now that said that's probably the first part after that how do you deal with data such that you ensure that it's the right data that's going into your algorithm which spits out beautiful visualizations and results i think ravi would be better place to answer that hi this is ravi so as much as the architecture of data and historic data is important one of the other important things is to what kind of storage that probably needed for your data to basically sit on do you want to use a nosql database or do you want to use a pure relational set of a database or you want to use some other data store which purely sits sits as a file system on a distributed computing platform these are the important questions one has to basically look at in terms of the data storage aspect now uh, the other aspect that comes into picture is that the data science guys should basically be able to efficiently query the data set and should be able to retrieve the results as soon as possible in terms of their exploratory data analysis so this is the second thing and the third important aspect is that the querying system on top of which your data basically resides upon should be really really efficient and has to be near real time or if not real time so the data storage is also very important in terms of it how do you efficiently store the data and how do you basically pre compute some of the necessary attributes that you might probably require in a particular in a particular table or in a particular collection or wherever it is and finally the other important thing is how do you basically give a client architecture so that any data guy could connect to that particular system with least intervention of the technical support team and basically get the data onto the machines and do the data analysis and publish the results back onto the database so these are the three important things that one has to basically think through before adapting to any particular data architecture and storage systems okay so last question i'd like you to give us some insight for our listeners on how do you marry the machine and the user journey oh this is karthik here i think what is really important is for you to map out what really happens when a user comes on to your site what are the opportunities that you have to basically understand how the user is planning to use it now in our case or maybe in the industry's case there is a pre match scenario there is a live match scenario and then there is a post match scenario in a pre match scenario a user wants to know what's going to happen in the match who's likely to play is there an injury is there any stat that the user can consume then in a live match it's largely about being a second screen most people will prefer watching it on television or on streaming mediums like hotstar but while they're doing it or let's say they're traveling in and uh, they just want to know the score without you know wanting to catch up on anything that is video related due to bandwidth constraints at that point of time they want to know the score they also want to know what's exactly happening in the game now that is a for a 50 over game like the world cup here you have a 8 hour window in which you could potentially engage with the consumer then 2 hours before the match there's another window 10 hours and then an hour after the match where you know we also have highlight videos that you know go up and then you have analysis on the game so that's potentially 11 to 12 hour window where you know the user journey for a given game is 
and sometimes when there are games or days when you don't have games in fact the pre match scenario is even more exciting because for two days you have to do enough to the user to do to get the build up which means articles which means news pertaining to the game so for us that is our user journey how is the user if you look at it from a match or cricket match standpoint which is the inventory in in our terms how is the user journey structured now for this user journey that is there we're trying to understand as i previously spoke on the double a triple r framework what exactly are we doing from an activation standpoint what are we doing from a retention standpoint our current model doesn't have advertising we don't and that we believe is an important reason to drive adoption because the current incumbents whoever are there in the market top 3 for cricket apps that are there they have a lot of ads on their site and their business model is based on ads like i'll write content and throw an ad on it and you know you basically as a user as much as you're lapping content you're also subjected to a bevy of ads which sometimes people may or may not like now we're trying to increase adoption by taking the ads off the site because india is moving towards an economy that is largely fantasy dependent because if you look at um, the rise of dream 11 i think last year they had about uh, 225 crores which is bigger than cricket info and cricket buzz you know put together or almost the you know the same amount of them put together so the fantasy economy is right now trumping the traditional advertising digital advertising economy so india has reached that inflection point so i think that way the economies of scale is favoring the fantasy economy i recently read somewhere that uh, the money a content creator makes for getting a user to consume their video content through and again putting ads on it is about 7 cents annually so the cost or rather the revenue that you gain from each user on your platform for the video that you create for one full year is 5 rupees whereas on the fantasy platform the cost of acquiring a user is maybe somewhere between 300 you know 500 rupees and if that particular user is going to come back 5 6 times a year it could range anywhere between 1000 rupees to 2000 rupees in terms of cash transacted on the platform again it depends on what your percentage margins are in terms of the rake that you're taking but the economy is very different from the traditional advertising model so given this is important for us i think the we are in the fantasy economy so we have a score saying that for each feature here which of our goals are the time they spend on the platform and are they getting into some of the tabs around fantasy and as a result going and playing fantasy on our sister platform which is called fanfight which is a competitor to dream 11 hala play most of these fantasy sites that exist so that's how we marry the user journey and even if you're putting effort to decide this particular feature is a normal data feature or a machine learning feature there is a cost involved in developing that feature and there is an expected revenue from that feature in terms of how much of you know fantasy money we would get in the user journey from the time they are on the platform so keeping all of that in mind that's how we decide how the product roadmap fits in with this whole user journey to then decide from a machine learning standpoint how complex is this and should we invest our time doing this but i think before that or rather you know once you've decided the the product side of things it's important to focus on what model are you using to solve for a particular use case and i think that's where we've had to spend a fair amount of time in deciding math involved uh, the way we'd go about it is let's say we had this uh, conversation some time back on can we basically predict what a player is likely to score and it could be before a match and it could be during a game for example yesterday uh, the opening game of the world cup Ben Stokes was slowly you know going on accumulating his innings 
can we see patterns based on their current the, the amount of balls they are middling with the bat the amount of runs they are starting to score in the first few balls across certain bowler types can we use that data to go and predict how much they are more likely to go and score and we've gone ahead and built that model while we've gone ahead and done that we've had to then figure out okay which model is the right model and i think here's where i think ravi can throw some light on how you have to choose your model i think generically maybe you know how do you for the given data that you have how do you go ahead and decide which model works because from what i know there are about 5 6 different mathematical models that exist and you just have to see which one is the right fit so i think ravi can basically talk more on that hi this is ravi back so one of the important questions that i keep hearing from a lot of data science folks in the data science community and from the product community is how do you basically choose a machine learning model is there any science behind it yes of course there is science behind it so one particular thing i would really believe in is that one is a occam's razor so of course to illustrate occam's razor it's very important if you have two to three different options the best option is where there are least assumptions in so that's the first method which i basically used to choose a particular machine learning model because if you pick up a model there are certain assumptions that a particular model is being built there are certain types of data a particular model can basically handle all these goes into the picture and then there are other error metrics which each and every classifier model or a regression model basically has these metrics can help us in identifying which model suits the use case better and how do you know what model suits your use case better yes you have three different methods how do you basically go about sampling these particular error metrics and choosing your model one you can either do a kfold cross validation technique which basically helps you to identify accuracies of various models two you can basically go ahead and do bootstrap mechanisms on the third one basically is called the jackknife sampling method so when you do any of these three methods you will try to understand what are the accuracy levels of various models on a given data set and the finally the most important thing is scalability and that run time of the model so if if you want your model to be real time system you have to make sure that your model doesn't take much time to run very simple three different principles for you to go ahead and apply it and choose what model suits you better thank you so much ravi and karthik for all the knowledge and experience you've been you know sharing with us today would you like to leave us with a few things you know maybe for our listeners that they can go check out in discovering more about machine learning sure to be hands on with some linear algebra and preliminary calculus and then my single go to resource is uh, online open courseware best resource i found so far is tom mitchell's carnegie mellon university's machine learning course where you start from the basic and go on to the most advanced contemporary deep learning models so that's one best source which i can recommend everyone to basically go ahead and see Yeah I think the best resources I would advise people to want to go build products that are centered around machine learning is as much as you need a good data scientist to go execute the models you also need to have very fair understanding of why you are building something and um, the why you are building something comes from you knowing what the business model is and what the value proposition is so i think i would recommend people to go through the business model canvas and the value proposition canvas these are frameworks that are available for free download because uh, there's a company called stadigizer which has written a, a couple of books on this this i think is the first that i would recommend uh, to a lot of product managers because a lot of product managers are very features focused saying i i'll build this and tech can build it out but i don't think there is enough math around why are we building this feature and uh, what's the real value proposition that goes to the end user 
so that's missing and i think that's very important uh, to know at the outset saying this is what you know we are focused on this is what we want to build the next i think is to understand the interdependencies between the various teams that are out to give the product out and that i think uh, a good book that i'd recommend is inspired by marty kagan it's uh, i've personally gone met marty attended his inspired workshop in london a few years back and i found that to be an eye opener on how you work with various teams and to me i think that is the cornerstone of what we've you know done here at cricket.com where the product is at the center of any kind of decision making because simple reason that product managers have a, a very horizontal understanding of each of the functions and can communicate in each person's language and sometimes if you go like for example other companies in the cricket spaces usually are very content focused because the primary thing is i produce content on which i sell ads content or sales focused um we are very product focused and that is the dna for most of the successful companies that you see like you're seeing uber or if you're seeing apple even if you see our competitor dream 11 so i think it's very important to have product at the center and then have your larger footprints around uh, tech and design in that way as i say tech it includes the people who are part of the data science unit so that way if you understand organizationally how are you able to coordinate with different people to get something out that's very important finally and i know it's a little tad too long i think if you go read books like hooked where you understand what is cycle that draws people into an app and um, understanding the psychology of the consumer that's very important that you build habit forming products in in whatever you build so i think these are the four things that i would you know go and recommend for a product manager who is set to build an ml first product or generally somebody who wants to you know focus on building the right set of products hey guys keep listening to the product management we got many more industry experts lined up to share their insights on building products the right way